0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for episode three of Burned Ambition. I have a very special guest this week. Her name is Paris Taylor, and she is um, a friend that I met. She went to the same hospital that I did at the same doctors, and we just got very close very quickly. Um, As for me, you see, I've got my foundation on my eyes are primed, and, I, and if you're watching the YouTube version of this podcast, you'll be ready to see the beat I'm about to do. Otherwise, let's say hello to Miss Paris Taylor. Hello, Paris. How are you?
1: I'm well. How are you today?
0: I'm doing well. I thank you so much for joining me. You look fabulous. Thank you. I I didn't tell everyone that you're actually on vacation in Florida because it'll make everyone jealous (laughs) that you're having a good time with your family, but um, on a serious note, I definitely do appreciate you joining us to tell your story, and I want everyone to lend Paris an ear. Your story is amazing. And you can go right ahead
1: Well, thank you for having me. And I really appreciate it because, you know, my story is kind of unique in a way, but so many women go through the same thing every day. Maybe not to the extent that I have, but, you know, I think domestic violence, we really need to shed a light on it. I was in, um, I was married since 2007 to my soon to be ex-husband Everything started out well. I saw signs, but I always thought, no, it's not that bad. I'm not going to say anything, you know, maybe if I just keep quiet, you know, um, because he made me feel like it was always my fault. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the, you made me do this, or you made me mad. So my thinking was, okay, I'm just going to be quiet and I'm going to stop making him mad. But as the years went by, it got worse and worse. It got physical, you know. um, He started to abuse me almost daily. And when it got to that point, I was embarrassed and ashamed to tell people that, you know, he was beating on me. You know, because in my family, I'm the one that gets things done. So it was like shameful Mm -hmm. for me to be telling them, like, no, someone is hurting me. So I kept it to myself mm-hmm. until one day um, in August of 2019, I was planning on leaving him. My oldest son had went to the army. And once my oldest son left, it had gotten real bad because there was no one to stop him or no one to, you know, kind right. of like monitor it. My youngest right. son was still there. At the time, he was 12 years old. So, you know, he was just a kid, he was really no help. In the sense that he could stop his father from you know being abusive, and I was leaving. My son had went to school that morning and we got the arguing, and I remember I was keeping the counter in between us because you know if he tried to do something, I could run around the allen. It was the Allen right. kitchen, so like you know, I was thinking, okay, well, I'll keep the Allen between us. And I was at the stove cooking and he was talking to me and it was like, at first it started with, um, are you going to take my son and you're leaving? You're not going to take my son and my mouth. I was like, yes, I am. We're out of here. And it was lighter fluid on the island. And he was banging it. You're not going to take my son and leave me. You're not going to, you know, and I was like, yes, I am. So it got to the point where he started saying, bitch, go. And as he was doing it, he was like, you know, like dousing the lighter fluid at me and I was cooking at the same time. And I just went up in flames. God. And, and the funny thing is like, you know, now that I think about it, in the island, the, the sink was in the allen But when I went up in flames, I ran around the house like mm-hmm. at, at least three times because I was panicking and I was begging him, like, Josh, help me, help me. And he just stood there, you know, gasping like, like, like he couldn't believe it. And I was running around, help me, help me. And then I finally figured to go to the sink and I sprayed the water all over myself. And I didn't realize I was burnt as bad as I was. And I was telling right. him, I need to go to the hospital, call somebody, please. And he was saying, no, you are all right. Nah, you are right. Nope. You are right. And I remember just begging him, please just call somebody. I need to go to the hospital, please. And he was saying, no, I'm not. You're all right, you're all right. And I was like, well, please just take me. And my clothes were burnt off of me. And he was like, okay, we'll get in the car. And I walked out the house, like my clothes were burnt off of me. I, I, I know I was a sight. And he drove me to the emergency room. And we went in the side that the ambulance goes in on. And I remember them saying, no, you can't come through here. But when I got out the car and they saw me, they let us come through that door. And, you know, and I remember them, they were trying to talk to me. And all I kept on saying at this point was, I'm hurt. Please help me. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts. And the next thing I know, I woke up like two months later. And um, in the hospital at Grady. And for a while, it was just unreal, you know, it was, you know, and he was there and I didn't remember what happened. At first, I couldn't really remember, like, you know, and when I opened my eyes, my mom, she was right at my face and she said, Paris, you were in an accident, you're in the hospital, but you're all right. And... I didn't, I couldn't really move and I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk, you know, and he was there. He was so helpful and everything. Oh, he was there. Yeah, Yeah, he was there. He was there the whole time, I guess. And I remember when they were discharging me, I like lost my mind. I didn't want to go. I was telling them, put me in a home. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And I remember my mother crying because she couldn't figure out what was going on. But I just knew I didn't want to go back home with him. I just
0: knew. But you didn't know yet. Did you know yet that, uh, did you remember yet everything that had happened?
1: No, things were coming back to me. And I was asking him questions like, you know, um, Josh, what happened? How did I get burned? And he told me this bizarre story and I was like, well, where were you at? What were you doing? And he said, well, I tried to help you. So my first thought was, well, then where are you burnt?
0: Uh-huh. You know,
1: because now at this point, I, I see my body, I'm burnt from like, my face was, you know, scorched from my chin down to my kneecaps. I've had all these grafts. I was like, you know, severely burnt. And uh-huh. um, he told me he tried to help me. So I'm trying to figure out, well, where are you hurt? Like your hands right. or something, if you tried to help me. But then things started coming back to me. So I started asking him more questions and it just didn't add up. And I remember like, you know, we got into an argument and he grabbed me and he started shaking me. And this is like, I'm not even healed this up This
0: is yet. after the burns?
1: After the burns. We got into okay. the argument and he started grabbing me and he was shaking me. And, you know, everything just flooded back. Like, you know, how abusive he was, and oh my God, this is what happened. And I remembered everything. And it was crazy mm. because I remember when I came out of a coma, my family was there and my son was there. And my son hugged me so tight. And this is something that always stays with me. He was 12 at the time. He hugged me so tight and he said in my ear, Ma, I knew he was lying. I knew you didn't leave me. And I found out that he had told my son that I had left without him. So, you know, for the time I was in the hospital, he had my son thinking that I just abandoned him and I left.
0: So your son never got to see you in the hospital?
1: No, he didn't see me until I came out of a coma. And that's when, like when I was woke, that's when my mother brought me
0: Right.
1: He was standing right there with my son. And like, at the time when this happened, I didn't put everything together. Like, you know, my son was telling me, I knew you didn't leave me, but I didn't understand what he was talking about. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, you know, like, I knew you didn't leave me. Like, is he talking about like, you know, I knew you were gonna wake up, you know, like I didn't understand what he was talking about. But then when things started coming back to me, and I started talking to my son about what happened, he told me that his dad told him I went to New York and I I left without him. So, you know, my baby and to this day, it's like you don't realize how much, you know, the cycle of abuse and seeing these things things affect your children. Because now my son is 15 and like, if I'm out of his sight too long, he's calling me, Mom, where you at? If I'm sitting in the car too long, when you coming in the house, it's like he has a separation anxiety now.
0: What happened to your husband?
1: Nothing, nothing. When I went to the, um, after we had that argument, he had two knives and he told me he would kill me. And I went to the police department that night and um, they told me during this time it's Corona, so they told me right. that I had to come back and um, they did TPOs. I had to come back for a TPO. The police didn't want to take a report. But my sister, who's law enforcement in New York, she happened to be down here and she really pressed them. Like, you know, she, my sister wanted to go to the president and tell the president about this. So they finally begrudgingly took the report. And I. Why would they not want to take the report, Paris? I don't. I don't understand it either. They were acting like it wasn't a big deal. They made me feel like I was a victim. They made me feel like, you know, well, why didn't you tell us sooner? Because I was in a coma? Like, you know, well, you should have did this, and you should have, you know, they made me feel like I was the criminal. And then they told me that it was my word against his word, so they couldn't do anything about it. So you let this man, this man damn near
0: killed me and he gets a pass like am i that unimportant and for me you know and and i don't want to put words in your mouth or add to your story but they have to know i mean i had lighter fluid on me from the accident that i had with my husband he also had burns up to his elbows from where he put me out but what i don't understand Is why they disregarded you when you were doused with lighter fluid so badly from your chin to your to your ankle, and that just hurts my heart. Period. Nothing about
1: it. They made me feel like I was the perpetrator. They made me feel like I was wrong. They even threatened to take my child away from me. The Clayton County, Georgia Police Department. They even threatened to take my child away from me. And they made me feel, you know, and just going through this, I never knew. But black women are so underprotected. We are so underprotected as a species. They just, you know, this man, and it was men I was speaking to, and they had no compassion or anything about what I was going through and what I had went through, about what my child had went through. They, you know. Well, you let your child be in that situation. Like, no bro, I promise you, the police department, they made me feel like this, and they, you know, these are words that they said to me. Well, you can be considered unfit, you know, unfit. Unfit for what? Because I allowed my son, because I'm telling this, my son has seen all of this, you know. my. I remember my son used to tell his father at 11 years old, he used to tell his father, dad, they're just words. Don't get mad if I go to school and fight because they're just words. And this is an 11-year-old boy telling a damn near 40-year-old man that they're just words. Right. You know, it, it you know, and being burnt is like nothing you can ever imagine This is, I've had surgeries in the past. I've had my gallbladder out. I had two cesareans. Being burnt, all of that was nothing. That was like getting pinched. The the skin grabs, the laser treatments, the, the tightness of your skin, the my skin feels like a paper bag sometimes, like a brittle paper bag.
0: Yes. If I
1: turn around too hard without moisturizing, it feels like my yep. skin will rip. Like,
0: you, you can feel it in your chest. You can feel it pull. Exactly. If it's so and
1: painful.
0: It's,
1: it's certain places that can't, you know, well, you know, you can't lift your arm the way you used to. Your hand doesn't open and close the way it used to. You know, right. It's just a bad feeling. And for some... all bad.
0: And then there's the terrible part. <laughs> you know, there's that part. But, you know, the most terrible part for me has been psychological. You know, the skin is terrible. It hurts. You get medicine. You heal. But in your mind, the things that go through your mind and the things you have to, learning to walk again and learning to see yourself again are so difficult. And I think that's what breaks my heart for you with your son, because he went through that with you really. You know, your 12 year old really was forced to go through that
1: watching. I, watching you <laughs> as a grown-up i'm more resilient and i went through a tough time and i i believe myself to be a very strong woman i've been through things in my life and i have yeah. a theory i always bounce back because i cannot afford not to right this, this is the this is this almost took me out after this and i've never been like ultra vain where oh you're so beautiful but after seeing myself and just seeing the difference i wanted to commit suicide and the only thing that stopped me is i wasn't strong enough i couldn't get up by myself if Physically. i had more strength i wouldn't have been here i couldn't i couldn't get out the bed alone i couldn't i couldn't put on my put clothes on. alone and I really did not want to live. I did not want to live like this. Everybody was saying it gets better, it gets better. But I'm looking at them like you're not burnt Yeah, It's easy for you. But to they say haven't that. been through it. Yeah, like, they
0: haven't been through it.
1: It's easy for you to say that, and then like you know, my family who is awesome. My mother is the my mother is the GOAT, the greatest of all times. So if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here right now. And I promise you, because the therapists would come in and they would say, get up, we have to walk today. And yeah. I would turn right over. And my mother would come in and say, get up out that bed. You're walking today. And I would jump up. Right yeah, I
0: didn't want to get up.
1: You know, my husband be... would make me get
0: up. I'd say, no,
1: mm-hmm. it hurts. Them and my mom, like the Grady Hospital told me that they never had a patient that as long as I was here, someone from my family was always with me. 24 yeah. hours a day, seven days a week. When I went into surgery, they walked to the wheeling door and they stay out there until they wheeled me back out. I was yeah. never once alone. My mother, my children, they came in ships. My son that was in the army, they never told him what happened to me because they know he would have went AWOL. And I promise oh, right. you, it was his words. He sent me a text and I wish I had my phone here so I could share the text with you. But he sent me a text, and in the text, he said um, that I've always been his wonder woman, and that no matter what he's done in life, he always knew I was there because I would be the one screaming the loudest, that's my boy, that's my boy. So he always, there wasn't a doubt in his mind that his mother was there. He said he never knew that there'd be a day when I would need him as much as I've been there for him. And that he just wanted me, you know, he just wanted me to know that he would be here for me. And that no matter what, that when he looks at me, he sees the most beautiful woman in the world. And he reminded me that there were so many things that we still had to do together because he promised for my 50th birthday. And when he was a little boy, he promised me for my 50th birthday that he would take me to Paris and we would stand on the top of the Eiffel Tower. So he reminded me like, you know, we still gotta go to Paris. You have to raise my, you know, you have to name my grandkids, you know.
0: We still gotta do all this.
1: He made me remember. And he pulled you out of
0: that profession.
1: And I don't think so much he pulled me out, but he made me remember that I was still needed, that I still had a purpose, that regardless of what I was going through, that he still needed me. And you know he played on my guilt because as a as a mother, I always told him I'd always be there for him. The only way I wouldn't is if something stopped me, if death stopped me. So he was reminding right. me that you know I have to keep my word that he still needs me to be there for him.
0: That's yeah. so beautiful because um, I talked to a lot of people who are, um, uh, do I, <laughs> I talked to a lot of people who are very depressed after the burns and they feel like they can't um, make it. And I just always tell them that you've got to find your purpose, just like you finding your purpose in, you've got to be there for your son. You're still valuable, you know, just because you're burned doesn't mean you can't do things.
1: I right, mean, so. It was, it was so difficult and it's easier said than done. Because after yeah. I got burned, the first thing, and like, you know, just giving it a lot of thought to back when I started out in, on this journey, the first thing was my appearance. Because right. you know, you're all galled up, you got stitches here, the contractures and the different things, like, mm-hmm. I couldn't see past that. And everybody was saying it's gonna get better. And um, like Dr. Ingram and Dr. Middle, oh, you're healing so great. It's amazing how great you're healing. And I'm looking at them like healing where? Do you see the way right. I look? So, I mean, once I got past the being pain, And it took a lot because there were people in my corner telling me, girl, I don't even see the burns. It's inside, like you still you. And I didn't believe it, but these were people that didn't know each other. Like my friend over here would say it, and then my friend that didn't know that friend over here would tell me the same thing. So I started believing, maybe there's a little bit of truth in that. And then I started to, you know, it's like, it got to a point and I mean like it took me two years to get to that point but it got to that, a point where as okay girl this is what it is for you like this is, this is what it is what are you going to do? It's going to do what it it is like, You burnt now yeah. what? Now are you going to be and I had choices and this is what I thought I said now are you going to be burnt and crusty and i mean that pun intended like are you going to be a nasty person that just blames the world and then i started thinking about how i got burnt and why i got burnt. i got burnt by an insecure coward that didn't want me with anyone else right didn't want me to leave him so now me being me i started thinking if i sit here in this room any longer and just curl up and die, he wins. Right. He really, and I'm too petty to let him win. You will not win. You will not beat me. Like I I finally got away from you. You're not gonna beat me anymore. And that's when I started, you know, I lost a lot of weight and it wasn't on purpose because I was all right with the way I looked before this, but that's when I started saying, well, you know something? Because at first it was when you heal, you'll be better. Or when you gain your weight back, you'll be better. And one day I said to myself, why when? Why not now? And I started talking to myself, like, you know, and I had to like affirmations, like, girl, you know something, you still here. Like, you've been to hell. So can't nobody ever tell me go to hell because I had a first class seat on, you know, I was Mm -hmm. burnt up, I was in hell. And that didn't defeat me. God gave me a purpose. People have have folded from lesser than this. And I sat there and I said, hey, Paris, are you a burned victim or a burned survivor? And then I looked Mm -hmm. up the words. Victim. A person that something has happened to that, you know, a person that someone has done something to and they live in that survivor, a person that has overcome of it. I'm a survivor.
0: That was the I, word, I, overcome.
1: I, yeah, I've overcome this. Like, you know, and I still have my bad days. I still have the days where, like, oh, you look so ugly. But then I'm like, oh, well, you know something, I'm alive. And if I look ugly, <laughs> I'm gonna put on this pretty dress. And you know, you that'll make gorgeous. me feel a little better. Like if I was telling you yesterday, I put on a dress and I said to myself, like, girl, you look good today. Like, look when at you. You,
0: you when you sent me that picture yesterday, I was like, what? Look at it. girl, where is she going? Right? <laughs> And I really? didn't
1: even know, my son, when I got dressed yesterday, and I'm just doing my regular, like, you know, it's like a routine you go through, get up, take a shower, you get dressed. And when I got dressed, my son, he walked by, he looked at me, he said, Ma, you need to change, because you don't look like nobody's mother. And I went to the mirror, and I looked, I was like, oh, exactly, I look good today. And I ain't nobody other today. Exactly- <laughs> And I felt good, and I had a wonderful day yesterday. I felt amazing. And I just, like, it's all about what I say to myself. Today, what kind of day am I going to have? Because I used to make, you know, and I put up the air quotes to that. I used to make somebody beat me up. I made him do that. I made him. So since I have this much power, I'm going to make my day great. I'm going to make, you know. I'm going to make somebody smile today. If they look at me too hard, guess what? I'm going to flash them. And people, some people are cruel. Some people are curious. But when I catch people looking, you know what? I smile at them.
0: Yes, ma'am. That's the best thing to do. And
1: that smell disarms them because they don't know what to say at this point. If I feel like people are snickering, I smile at them and I giggle. So now yeah. I'm throwing you off your guard you have nothing do you I, I I treat you can't
0: you- take anything from me
1: yeah they like, can't take that ignorance anything. maybe you want to know and people I've had one woman and I remember her because I just found it offensive but she actually touched me and said, oh this looks cool <gasps> Really? Yeah, she and she was a waitress at a restaurant. I was out eating with my son and my um and his girlfriend, and I don't know, the, my arm was on the table or something, and she touched my arm and she said, Oh, this looks cool. And I looked at her, I said, Um, burn art, don't try it at home.
0: <laughs>
1: and, you
0: know, and, yeah, okay. this isn't a new <laughs> tattoo method, right?
1: Exactly. You know, these are children. I'm I'm such a beauty now and I'm so one of a kind and like, I don't look like any, I'm owning it. I'm, this is what God saw fit to give me, so I'm owning it. And can't no one, you know, I'm overcoming it. Can't no one or anything, you know, I'm not gonna allow myself to be hurt again.
0: What advice do you have for women are in that situation like i mean i know that's probably a common question but really like how do you what do you really do do you just pack up and leave is that what you should do or should you call the police? i don't know i don't know what get out get out just leave
1: and i'm gonna tell you we all you know we all think I can't just leave. I got the kids. All my stuff is here. You know, you know just the different things that we can talk ourselves into staying in a bad situation. But this is how bad it really gets. You know, I don't know if you can really see me, but this is how bad it really can get. I never in a million years thought that this would happen to me. I never thought that it would be taken this far. I never thought that, you know, oh, he'll just beat me up. But, you know, he never leaves marks or he never, I can take, I can take it, I'll just be better.
0: But this time he actually tried to kill you.
1: There is no, you know, you can change him. If he's showing you your colors, his colors, that's who he is. And it started with a push. And the push started, and the push went to a smack. And the smack went to a punch and the punch went to a kick and the kick went to a punch kick combo. And he's a big guy. You know, it's funny cause I remember there was a situation one day we were out to dinner and we were sitting at the bar because there were no tables. So we were sitting at the bar and I was clearly sitting with my husband and he wasn't talking to me, he was watching the game. And I'm like, you know, just trying to be quiet and let him watch the game. And there was a guy that came over to me and he said, hey, can I buy you a drink? And I kept my eyes front and center because I didn't want to make eye contact or anything because I didn't want him to get mad. And so I kept my eyes and the guy was so persistent and my husband never said anything. So to be nice, you know, to be nice and like to get rid of the guy, I turned around and I looked at him I said, hey, are you going to buy my husband and I both a drink?
0: And the
1: guy, you know, he was stumbled and he didn't say anything, he left. And I remember later on when I got home, my husband started picking with me because he was one of those guys that out in the public, he'd never get mad or he'd never acknowledge nothing. He was a real coward. He'd wait until we get in the house. And that's when he'd start. So when we got home, he said, yeah, and you gonna let that guy just sit there and talk to you like that and buy you, he offering to buy you a drink and you gonna tell him and I'm looking at him, and I'm why like, why well, didn't he stop me? him? And that's exactly what I said to him not trying to be slick out the mouth or not trying to cause a problem, but I was like, Josh, you was there too. If you had a problem with it, why can not you say anything to him? And he smacked me. And as I was in, see, that's your mouth, and you were always talking slick, and I didn't find anything. I was just asking you if you had a problem with it, you should have said something to him. I can't control that man and what he does. But you were standing right there. If you would have said something, he would have respected you enough to say, okay, you know, my bad, I'm sorry. Okay. sorry man. Yeah, but you right? would me up because of somebody else's actions? Like, that's just cowardly.
0: So I guess that's just because he would be too afraid to say anything to, the other, to another man. I he would, just wants to pick on women.
1: I would say so because he never, I've never seen him get into an altercation or anything. Not that, you know, we, we're not living the kind of lifestyle that he would be fighting or, you know, cause we don't live in that environment. But in that situation, you could have said hey this is my wife or no she good she i got i got her drink. she's good you could have said right. something to acknowledge because the way you were sitting there the guy probably thought i was alone because you weren't speaking to me and you you know what i mean
0: you didn't even look like a couple he's not even paying attention to you
1: it's not like i called him over or anything it's not like i called to no. over or anything so you where's know,
0: Josh? Where's Josh? Because this, you know, from the first moment I've spoken with you, my biggest concern has been who's Josh? You know, like where, I mean, not where specifically, but is he he still trying to contact you? Is he still trying to talk to you or is he leaving you alone?
1: I haven't had any contact with him for the last two and a half years. I'd say, well, maybe oh, at all. Maybe it's been less than that. He he's tried to contact me, and you know, um, but I haven't had any desire to speak to him. He doesn't contact his son. Um, he's just, and I don't want to have any contact with him. I'm at such oh, I know a you don't. My life. And I'm really afraid of him, but I'm not afraid of him because I take the power from him. And I'm taking the power by speaking out, by letting people know this is what was going on. I've taken the power by, you know, because he was powerful because he knew my pride wouldn't let me tell anyone.
0: Right. They'll say you're sick of your secrets in certain communities. You're as sick as, you're only as sick as your secrets and that. That's meaning, you know, that those secrets hold you down. They hold you back. You know? And we all have them. But when it's like something like this guy, it just lets him have all the power and now you've taken it back. And now you're with your family. You're with your sons. You're enjoying yourself in Florida and then What's next for for parents?
1: I just um, want to motivate people to overcome. There's so many women in the United States that are doing life in prison for killing their abusers. There are women that are in situations that they feel like they can't get out of. I've never experienced anything like this, and when I was ready to go get help, I was ostracized, I was criticized and I was victimized by the police department. I wanna bring awareness to this and let other women know that it's all right. You don't have to be afraid. There are people that will help you and believe you because throughout my marriage, I've never called the cops on him. I've never, you know, well, I've called the cops but I've never gotten him arrested because he paid the bills. And if he couldn't go to work or what have you, he couldn't pay the bills. So right. I pressed charges because if I did, then who's going to pay these bills? My son and I'll be homeless. When he get home, he's going to kill me. I didn't have an escape plan, and I think that's the- a big thing.
0: Do you think they should get an escape plan? before yes. like get yourself.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, I think that we need to understand that. Things happen that it's not our fault that right. you know that there are people that can help you I think that we need to understand that there's nothing to be ashamed of there's right. nothing to be you know embarrassed about you know these are things that happen and we take on our abuses our abuses shame and you know I don't think it's right. I'm ashamed that he's beating me up. He should be ashamed that he's hitting a the woman. There's no way in the world.
0: Right, shame be- on him.
1: But I've, I'm taking the shame because you're beating. And then the brainwashing, because I think, like, out of all these years, I was brainwashed. Like, and when I mean brainwashed, you're, you're making me, you made me hit you. I didn't make you do anything. Well, if I made you hit me, why can't I make you stop? You know what I mean? Like, if if, if I'm in control of this, why can't I stop well, you?
0: And it sounded to me a little, though, like that does get into your mind. Because I heard you say a couple of times, you know, where you thought, I'll just be quiet. I'll keep this um, counter between us. So if he tries to hit me, I can get away, I'll not be, you know, so you are really actually trying to get along with this person, just like we often do as women. We're peacemakers. We're often, not, and not just women, just, you know, certain, certain people in each relationship. Sometimes there's a, you know, if there's an offender, there's also a peacemaker and there's just the one who wants everything to be okay, who wants to take care of your
1: time i'm gonna tell to you in my, in my family i was like the first that did a lot of things i was the first one to have a successful marriage i was the first one to have a uh my child's father raising him i was the first one to still be with the child's father you know so it's like i was on a you know i wouldn't say a pedestal because to in certain families that's just the norm but in my family it's single women that raise their children it's like you mm-hmm. know i had a good man so to speak cuz my man had a job and my man paid the bills and my man so i didn't want to seem like the failure and i didn't want to go and tell him like hey he's not that great he's hitting me or hey you know i need help because i was set up in a way that I couldn't do that after y'all. You
0: know, you after
1: y'all put me on this pedal stool, I can't step down. And honestly, it's all I would right want to, to need
0: help.
1: It's all right to need help, and this is what we have to tell ourselves: it's all right. It's not all right for someone to to hit on you. It's not all right to be someone's punching bag. It's not all right. No, you didn't make him do anything. Those were his choices. It's okay. You can ask for help. You know, and and I feel like, you know, I want the police departments to be educated and the way they handled my situation, I feel like there should have been another woman that I could have talked to. I feel like there needs to be some kind of sensitivity training.
0: I feel like that's probably the biggest tragedy in the whole story is when you tell the police, and nothing happens. We expect to be protected. You know, we expect to say, you know, oh, you know, someone, he did this to me, and you go get him. You're the, they're the good guys, you know, the police. Go get the bad guy. But in this case, it's, oh, you waited too long? You know, Pierce, I was in a coma for two months as well. Mm-hmm. I remember just having morphine dreams and waking up, and um, as I awakened, my memories slowly came back, but that's because there were people there telling me the truth, telling me what happened, mm-hmm. and then you remembered, you remembered, you know, and um, the dreams I had, I was just looking for my family the whole two months. It's very confusing when you awaken from this from this coma, and then to have a police department who's never been through it or never, you know, helped anyone with it tell you that, you know, there's nothing to it. You waited too long. It's your word against his. When you stand Uh, there covered in thorns, my sister, I will
1: fight. My story gets so much deeper than this. And I mean, the way I was handled by Clayton County, Georgia's um, judicial system is disgusting. I got a temporary order of protection. I was in my home with my son, they made a mistake on the paperwork. And, I, you know, they awarded me the house throughout the hearing and everything, which was done via Zoom. They made a mistake on the paperwork. One day while I was out, and they made a mistake and gave him the house on the paperwork. Now, it's a court order. So while I'm out, he comes and he changes the locks, and he locks me out of my house. I'm trying to get back in the court. I never got back in the court. So for a year, my son and I were homeless. Because, oh you know, God. because we were locked out of the house because of a mistake they made that they didn't rectify. There's certain things like when you're married, there's certain things that you're not supposed to do, especially when you petition for divorce and you know you're going through that type of thing. This man mm-hmm. disconnected my phone, my only source of communication with all my doctors and my son's school and everything. He got my vehicle um, repossessed. He turned off the lights and the water in the house. All these things that he's doing that, you know, clearly he wasn't supposed to do, he's done to me. And the courts did nothing about it. There's a laws against the things he did to me. And the courts did nothing about it. They helped me none. They did nothing. I did not need feel- to pay for a lawyer because um, because I'm yeah. going through all this. I'm not working, you know, at this point. So I had a um, legal aid represented me. The legal aid, she was great, you know, and I mean, she was a great person. She tried to do, but she was a new lawyer, and I felt like she was kind of timid and didn't want to get on the, the judge's bad side instead right. of doing everything she could do to help her client. I feel like I really got the short end of the stick. We were living outside of our vehicle at one point, and then he got the vehicle repossessed. Like all. No. People, I I promise you, these are things that I've been through through all this. My divorce has been in court for over three years. I'm still what? not divorced yet. Why? Explain, uh-huh. please, and thank you. Like oh, I the wow. justice system. The way they did me, I felt like I was the criminal. I just want to get his name. I just want to give him back his name. Help me. like I just want to be done with him.
0: Just be done with him.
1: And I mean, you know what? I don't even, it's a waste of time to be hateful. It's a, you know, it's a waste of time. I just want to be done with him. And they won't even allow me to do that. I'm being, and like I said, I'm a survivor, but I'm being victimized by, you know, by the Again, system. Yes, you're being
0: re victimized.
1: They told me that they could take my child from me because it is, because I was asking for help. Why? I mean, what kind of reasoning
0: is that? Is this just good old boy reasoning? Like, you know, so- the men. Sticking together. I, I don't understand it. I don't. Understand it. I
1: really Did he
0: have any connection to the to the police department or?
1: Not that I anything. Not that I
0: know of. So he's not a former policeman, or he's got not no connection. Call. And still, it's just enough for them that his word goes ahead of yours, although exactly. you and you know, I'm so I'm so worried about what do you want to say if if Josh hears this podcast?
1: Get help. Get help because your anger is uncontrollable. The things you did to me, you shouldn't even be allowed to walk around anymore, you should be in prison. But for some reason, God seemed fit to let you, you know, get a pass on it. So don't let it happen again. You know, it's bad enough. Your son doesn't want to have anything to do with you. And no matter what lies you tell, we know the truth. There's three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and and the truth. And you and I know the truth. And it's gonna happen again. Because your anger, like, you know, it, it's, it, just get help.
0: I hope he's and not I with anyone else. I hope he's not with another woman
1: or anyone. God, that's weird Cause when he gets mad, he's gonna show her exactly who he is.
0: And I don't, and he sounds like probably the type that probably wouldn't take him all that long to get to the point of getting angry.
1: Oh, no. You know what I
0: mean? I, I don't. How long was it in your marriage before he showed you that side of himself?
1: I'm gonna tell you. After I'd say we were together about two years before it really started the, but it was few and far between. Like it was right. like a push here or shove there, you know, just like little stuff. Like I right, get out of my way. And he used to, throw right. us. when he got mad, he, he pick up and he was, he's a big guy. So him throwing a cup at a wall, there's a hole in the wall
0: now. There's a hole. You know? And he probably just, the more he got away with, the more he felt like he could do. You exactly. know what I mean? The more, the more he did to you and he didn't get arrested or punished. And the more he felt he could do to you. And that's sick, you know, especially with your child there.
1: Definitely.
0: Um, I think what's amazing is the way you see things now and what you have to offer other domestic violence survivors, burn survivors, just survivors in general. That, you know, the most important thing for us all to know is that we are not victims. You might be in that moment when it happens a victim. You're burned victim. You just got burned. Survival is what you do after, after you start to heal. After survival is a decision. That transition is a decision like you made. And um I think it's amazing that you want to help other women. It's been you said two years. Yes.
1: It's been, it's been my process. I got birthed August 27th of 2019. So for the last, I'd say it took me two years to get to a point that I'm a survivor because I was playing the victim role, you know, just wrapping my head around everything that I've gone through, everything, you know, and just trying to get to a place where I could live again where I could move forward where I did see a you know a silver lining and this last year has been absolutely amazing for me you know I see myself I when I look in the mirror I see myself you know yes,
0: and, you. and your beauty I, exact
1: I see exactly I see my beauty I see I see myself looking because the first couple of years the person that was looking back at me, I didn't recognize her. I didn't know. Who
0: yeah. Like, yeah, like, who is she?
1: Yeah, like, who she is she? Who is You know? But now when I look in the mirror, I see myself. I see my smile. I see my, you know, my bravery. I see, I see me. I see someone that I want to get to know better. You know? And I want to help people get to that point. And- well, I
0: think you love.
1: Sometimes like, you know, if you can't do it for yourself, I want to be there to do it for you. I want to be there to be tell you beautiful until you can tell yourself that,
0: you know? That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. And I've seen the way it works, you know, in the real world and how powerful it is to offer someone your strength until they can find their own. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing to do. Just here, you know. Like, just lean on me. Right? Lean on me. Until you get there, lean on me. So I think that we'll see a lot more of you. My main concern, again, is just that you stay safe from Josh. He's been gone. Pardon me, I'm doing the lipstick. <laughs> He's been gone for two years. He's got to stay gone or it has to be, you know, a call to the police. Is, he, is everyone still in Clayton County?
1: Yes, we're still in Clayton County.
0: So, uh, you know, we definitely don't want to hear any ramifications from that because there's a lot of people listening and a lot of followers that would be paying attention to that. So we certainly don't want to hear anything about that.
1: I'm not worried, I'm, I'm not worried because this is my story and my truth. This I know home. you're not. You're I'm not so worried strong. about Clayton County. I'm not worried about Joshua I'm not worried about because this is my story and I'm ready to tell it. And I take the power away from all of them when I tell my story. When me I tell Clayton me out and tell them how shitty, excuse my language, that they treated me, that means there's no room for them to treat the next person like that. They have right. to make me a liar. They, so God forbid the next woman that comes in here, she's going to get the VIP treatment because of what I'm doing right now. Yes, Joshua Taylor, she's gonna get the VIP treatment because he has to make me out to be a liar. So maybe I just saved his next woman's life, maybe I just got the next woman some good services because they know there's somebody out here that's telling on them. And I don't mind, and
0: maybe when they see him do it again, they'll recognize their mistake. I hope that at least because I don't think it's a question of if he'll do it again. I think it's a question of when, you know, and and again, I know you have taken back your power and you are absolutely amazing. Thank you. Um, I just want you to be safe, you're my sister too. You know what I'm saying, you're my sister. I'm not gonna have it be that any, you know, that he comes back around. But I think that, you know, every lady listening who is in a situation that you think will, oh, it'll get better. Oh, I'll change him. Oh, it'll be okay. Please listen, it will not. And I also think that if you're a burn survivor, there's so much to be learned from this as. Well, because we can't be victims. Say it again. You're not a victim. You're
1: a survivor,
0: and you have fought for it. And I mean, I um, honestly, before the day, did not know how well you had healed as well. I, you had sent me pictures of kind of in a state like I was in from the beginning. Um, you know, just really, really really, really burned, and when I saw you yesterday, all I could think is, God is good, God is good, you know, because he's taking care of us all, and that's something I want to touch on, you know, I said, if you're watching the YouTube, I just did my makeup for you, because we're all still beautiful, and you can still, you know, work with your face, and your hair and, and these things. But the most important thing that you have to heal is your heart and your, and your mind because that is so hard to get through. It's hard to get through people staring, even if they are just curious. And it's hard to be as long as Paris is. But it's not impossible. If she can do it, you know, and I can do it, then all of us can do it, you know? And and I'd like to let you finish with your last thought.
1: I just want everyone, whatever you're going through, whether you're a burn survivor, whether you're a domestic violence survivor, I just want you to know that you are a survivor, that, you know, the situations you go through don't define you. Right. As far as other people? Oh, I lost you. Um, can you hear me back?
0: Yeah, I can hear you now.
1: I'm sorry. I want everyone to know those who mind don't matter. And those who matter don't mind. You're a survivor. You're strong. You can overcome anything, but that's where you take your power. When you make the decision to overcome. You can stay in it if you'd like, and you can spin the dice. Like, by the grace of God, I'm here today, but I could have been six feet under. And yeah, once I realized that, I made a, a, a decision that I wasn't gonna let anyone hurt me again, and that I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna hurt myself any longer. You're worth it, you're worth it. Don't get to the place that you feel so depressed and everything that you're not worth saving, that you're not worth, you know, oh, it's all right. You know, you're better than that. I don't care what your situation is. I don't care who you are, but I know I'm talking to someone and I'm gonna tell you, you're better than that. You don't deserve the situation you're in. So make a decision to overcome it. Make a decision to be a survivor. Make a decision to help yourself. Because once you start to help yourself and believe in yourself, others will follow suit. Yes. That's what I
0: want to say. Thank you so much, Paris. So I'll just end with a few thoughts. I I know that um, right now I have a chill. And probably if you're listening or watching, you do too. We're all pulling for Paris. We're all amazed at her strength. And I want you all to know that if you are in a domestic violence situation, there has been a banner running across the bottom this whole time for the National Domestic Violence Prevention Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Dial it if you need help, Um, but do not hesitate. Do not late. And if you're a burn survivor and you've been able to take something from this, um, honestly, if you're listening to the podcast, you need to pop on over to YouTube and take a look at us because we're both burn survivors, recent burn survivors, and we're making it. We are making it. We are both smiling regardless of our scars we are both smiling. So, thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of Brandy Ambition. Keep your eyes open. You're going to see a lot more of Miss Paris Taylor. Um, She's going to do a lot of big things to help other um, survivors like she is right now. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
1: Tchau.